I'm going to share a little bit this morning uh, about uh, one of my favorite prayers, as, as probably as I've shared a message a time or two now. Uh, usually I will close with this benediction. Um, during this, this season of giving and uh, receiving the season of light, I thought it might be appropriate to share a little bit about what God's desire is for you, which he makes clear in this that we call the Aaronic blessing or the, the priestly blessing, as some call it. I think most of us are familiar with the, the English rendering of this prayer as it's found in the book of Numbers. We have the, the slides. Yes, thank you for getting the slides going. Some of you have uh, handouts and those who don't, we have the slides. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But each of these Hebrew words that's behind this English passage, each of the Hebrew words that, that form this is filled with images that if you don't know what those are, then they get lost in the translation. So it's my desire, and I believe God's desire, that we come to know a little more about what's involved in this prayer. Uh, first, I'm sure you already know, but just as a refresher, let me say that Aaron, uh, who the, this is named after, was a leader under Moses. God selected Aaron to be high priest. God gave Aaron this prayer to give to the Israelites and to us, just as it was reflected in this morning's Christmas liturgy, uh, we have been grafted in according to the New Testament. When Paul wrote about this in his letter to the church in Rome, and then again in his letter to the church of Galatia, <clears throat> which says that we are all in the family of Abraham. From a cultural and language or linguistic perspective, we'll look at what's being said so that the next time we hear this prayer, the next time that it's being spoken over us or prayed over us, that we'll be able to receive fully from it as God intended, knowing some of the background to it, that you'll have something to focus on, that these are words that, that God spoke to Moses and Aaron so that we, as his people, will have peace and have blessings so that we can experience an actual change in our life, in our reality. So starting out, this prayer consists of these words, May the Lord bless. In Hebrew, the word bless is barach. It needs to be understood that, that the Hebrew language is a very concrete language. And bless is not a, a, a concrete word, it's, it's abstract. You can't taste bless, you can't see bless, you can't hear bless. So the word barak comes from the word which means to kneel. The blessee vividly kneels to the one that they are praying over. Barak is used when in this form, it's, it's used in this prayer, it also means a sign of respect. So think from a, a concrete language perspective, a language which is very word poor and a language that doesn't like abstract. Respect, again, is, is, is an abstract word. So in older culture, 
What is one way that that respect would be shown? In today's example, if we are introduced to, or anyone that's introduced to the Queen of England, perhaps, what do you do? You, you bow, or you curtsy, or you kneel. Another word that comes from Barach is the word Barachat, which means to, to bring a gift to another person while kneeling, while showing respect. And that puts us in mind of the images that we see of the wise men coming and, and bending their knee to the Lord Jesus and bringing gifts. So may the Lord bless or barach, it is God bending low to give us gifts for our needs, to invade our space in love and respect. And from this, you can see the more concrete meaning to the word barach, to do or to give something of value as you kneel. In other words, God is respecting us by literally stepping into or invading our time and our space to bend low, kneeling into our life, into our reality, and providing for our needs. And we, in turn, show respect to God by giving of Him ourselves as His servants. The next word, may the Lord keep, which is shamar. Now, the Hebrews were nomadic people raising livestock, and that's where their language comes from. It would not be unusual for a shepherd to be out with his flock away from his camp overnight in order to protect the flock. A shepherd would build a corral with thorn bushes because that's what you have when you're in the desert. You have a lot of thorn bushes. So the shepherd would watch over the flock, the hedge of, of thorn bushes around them to guard, building this hedge of protection. And that's where the idea comes from when someone says, Let's pray for a hedge of protection over you or over your loved one. Shamar comes from the word shamir, which means thorn. It's, it's, so it is to keep, is to guard or protect, to keep safe. It literally means to, to keep you safe. The next word is a face, which is panim. This word meaning face reveals one's thoughts, their feelings, their desires. It's been said that, that we, can, we can read a person's face. Someone says to you, well, I'm really sorry that you had such a lousy day. And perhaps you can say, well, not really. I can tell by the look on your face. You're not too sorry about it. But we also notice as well that name, that, that this word that makes the word face, or panim, the, the end of it, nim, makes it plural. Uh, it's not singular. Uh, it's always in the plural form, and it, and it reflects the idea that every person has multiple faces. So this implies encountering the whole person, their whole desire and their will. It also, in Hebrew, means a presence or a wholeness of being of an individual, to see all of their faces, which is happy, sad, mad, all of those are referred to here. When you encounter their faces, you encounter everything that they are, including what they will and what they desire. You know their emotions. You know who they really are. 
Now, some versions of this prayer have the word countenance, and countenance is just another word for face. The next word, shine, in Hebrew is the word or. It's a, it's a, as a noun, it means light, and as a verb, it means to give light, to reveal what has been dark. Again, connecting to our liturgy this morning, God brings light into the dark. This is where we get the illustration. You, you see uh, perhaps a comic of someone being confused, not knowing what's going on, and suddenly they have a light bulb over their head. Wow, I got it. I understand. Well, this is where that concept comes from. Or is equated with bringing about order out of chaos and darkness. God says that he will give you insight. God will give you wisdom, spiritual awareness, and light. The light that illumines what was once dark. Gracious, which is the word kanan. Now, most theologians would define grace as being unmerited favor, and, and that's, that's what it means. But again, notice that grace is more of an abstract word. And in the original Hebrew language that it was written in, well, Hebrew doesn't do abstract. So the word kanan, grace, comes from the nomadic culture. It's an expression from their perspective. Kanan parallels with other Hebrew words that mean health and healing, being lifted up, to give strength to rescue, finding refuge and protection. From, the, from their lifestyle or from this concrete Hebrew perspective, this, this word means to provide protection and rescue. Where does one run to in a nomadic culture when you are in need of strength, of help, of refuge? You run to your camp. Well, kana is the Hebrew word for camp. It, it's the home base. It's, it's the ranch. It's, it's where people are. It's the place where there is safety. It's implying safety in the camp. It's warm. It's friendly. It's implying that, that there's a longing for community, a community where God is and a community where God's people are. Our next word is give or grant, which is sa'im, which means to set down, to affix, to put into place. And the last word is peace, which I'm sure most of us have heard before the word shalom. When someone says shalom or says shalom to you, they're not saying may you have no fights, may you have no strife, no war, no chaos. That's not what shalom means. That's, that, that would not be a good definition of that word. Because then people get this concept, well, if I avoid conflict then I will have peace. And I'm sure most of us already have come to learn that if you avoid conflict, you're going to have anything but peace. You can't avoid conflict. Or you, 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 you avoid conflict, or if you avoid conflict, you'll have anything but peace. You can't gain peace by avoiding conflict. You, you have to learn how to manage conflict. But if you try to avoid it, You'll have anything but peace. The Hebrew word shalom has a different meaning than our version of peace. 
Its root word is shalom. It, it's, it's the verb used for making repair, making restitution. For example, in, in the Old Testament, if I, if I owned a bull and my bull got onto your property and killed your bull, then I have to make restitution. And the word used for that is shalom. I have to make shalom. I have to make a repair, restitution. If you fix what is broken, that is shalom. It literally means to make complete, to make whole. The noun shalom has the more literal meaning of being in a state of wholeness, of being complete, being without deficiency, of being fully repaired. That restitution has been made for any deficiency that you have. If we had more time, I would discuss, uh, get into uh, the connection with, with Shalom and Jesus, but I'm, I'm sure that, that you're able to make that connection yourself, that restitution has been made through our Messiah, through Christ. Shalom also comes from a financial term. If I owe you money and I make good on that, then I have effected shalom. I've made restitution. If I make someone lose something, then I don't get shalom until I make restitution to that person, until I've made peace. Not because we won't fight about it anymore, but because I have fixed what I've broke. I've made whole what was complete. So looking at all of this, I'd like to read this prayer to you in the same way now that the people would have received it and would have understood it, what it meant to them at the time that Aaron had prayed it over them and what it means to us being in the family of Christ, in God's family. May the Lord bend low and pierce into your reality and kneel before you, presenting you with good gifts. May he also build a hedge of protection around everywhere you go. May the Lord reveal to you and illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, bringing you order and understanding. May the Lord also give you comfort and protection and refuge and sustenance. May the Lord lift up his wholeness of being to you and look upon you and then set you or set in place all that you need to be repaired, to be whole, to be complete. So be it. That is just some of what is underneath the Aaronic benediction and the blessing that God wants to bestow upon you with these words. Sometimes... Sometimes we hear phrases or we hear things so often that they go past us. We recognize them, but we don't really catch them. We miss the substance of them. We miss what God's heart is, what he's saying to us in these words. This is God's desire for you. God does desire you. He longs to draw near to you. So how, how will you respond? To his drawing near. Would you please pray with me. Heavenly Father may we. 
respond with something similar to, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, draw nearer to us. Draw us ever so much closer to you. That we may learn of you and from you. To know your peace, your mercy, your graciousness, your love. In order to not only live it and to walk in it, but very much to share it, to reflect it with each and every person that we come into contact with this day and forever. In Jesus' holy name, amen.